We are back here on Not Black, Not White, American Podcast. And I am Darius Mayfield. And I'm Priscilla Comfrey. Can you not hear me, Priscilla? Can't hear. Priscilla cannot hear me right now. So we're going to make sure she can. Now? Oh yes, I can. All right, all right. She can hear. She can hear us now. Let's make sure we turn these other ones down. Boom. So we are good to go. So you know what? Let me let me start that over. Welcome back to Not Black, Not White, American Podcast. I'm Darius Mayfield, and I'm Priscilla Comfrey. Priscilla Comfrey. Priscilla Comfrey. So, Priscilla, we're back in the building. So much going on. We are back on schedule with our part two of our trip to the border. And today we will, we will be premiering an, an interview that you conducted with Miss Irene Jackson, who is running for Congress in Texas in the 16th Congressional District in Texas. And um, it was a long thoughtful, uh, very spirited interview. So I'm excited for everybody to hear. Yeah, me too. She was a sweetheart. Yeah, just a firecracker. Just a firecracker, (laughs) a very strong woman. Um, And boy, taught me a lot because I was clueless to what was happening. And I was very, um, very enlightened Mm. to hear her point of view and and what she's dealt with and what she's, uh, she's running you know, for um, her race. In, yeah. Right? So she, you know, it was really, she's she's tough. She's strong. Yeah, very strong woman. And sweet, too, but strong. Yeah, which I think made it a, a good interview. I know we talked about this because you guys are both strong women, and just to see your dynamic and going back and forth, I think it made for a good interview. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for people to hear that. <laughs> Looking forward to it. So another news, as we were saying, basically another thing that happened last week was we had our primaries for the gubernatorial race here in New Jersey. And New Jersey has, or the New Jersey Republicans have picked their gubernatorial candidate, which is Mr. Jack Chitterelli. And before we go into that more, let me just say congratulations and give a shout out to Miss Jasmine Gray, who we both know and both love, who won her primary for Rutherford um, City Council. So, Jasmine, we are very, very, very proud of you, and congratulations, and we look forward to helping you in your campaign. (laughs) Congratulations, Jazzy. But, yes, yes, very happy. She was, like, very excited. We were actually at the, uh, the victory party um at Mr. Chitterelli's victory party when she got the news and she was very ecstatic of course we had to have a, a a toast to that and um you know Priscilla was out in DC so she couldn't join us but you know she was there in spirit and you know it was a, a very very uh happy moment so congratulations to you Jasmine and congratulations to Mr. Jack Chitterelli and the Republican Party, the NJGOP, and how are you feeling about that? Um, this is what I'll say about it. 
I thought the race got a little eh, distasteful, in my opinion. Mm. But that being said, it's politics, and obviously that stuff happens. Um, what I will say is I think all the men who ran all four um, were good people and, um, you know, sacrificing their time, their, 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 their selves to jump into a race to when, when you do that, people don't realize what, what's put on you. I mean, mm. it takes every ounce of your time away. It's money. It's, it's exhausting. It's reputation. It's everything. Your family suffers. It's, it's a lot. And every single candidate, you know, had, had their pros and are good people and worked hard. And, um, I just want to say, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that they all put themselves out there to try to save the state. Yeah. I, I really respect that. And I just want to say thank you very much, um, all, to all of them for that. Now, going from there, we need to unite. I don't like seeing some of the um, chatter on Facebook or on an, on Twitter or any of the other social media platforms um, to write in a candidate now going forward for the election in November. Um, this is what we have a problem with. Republicans eat their own. And... The Democrats don't do that. Maybe on a tiny scale, you know, because egos get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, they stick together. They yeah. coalesce. And we don't. So we're definitely splintered right now. And the more people who are, I don't want to say sore losers, but who it, it's really hard when you lose a race. You know, I mean, we felt that way with President Trump losing, and you work so hard for that candidate. But you know what? You win some, you lose some. And we need to stay focused. We need to figure out as best as possible to work on the voter integrity issues so we have, as best as we can, fair elections. We really need to work on that. We need to put... We need to coalesce together and work on these areas to get Murphy out. That's the end goal. And if you're going to do anything counterproductive and Murphy gets back in, that's on you. Well, I'll go one step further, and I put this on the post that I put up. If you can't do what she's saying and coalesce around the party and get behind the candidate, not only are you part of the problem, you might be a liberal. Honestly, it's kind of sad, you know, seeing people. And I said this to somebody yesterday as conservatives. I'm sure Priscilla's seen it. I see it all the time. We sit here and we see conservatives on social media talk about how weak the Democratic Party is, how they're always whining, how they're always trying to cancel somebody and, you know, doing things counter snowflakes and things counterproductive. Well, guess what? Congratulations to all those people saying they're going to write in to all those people crying now that their candidate has lost. You are now categorized as the same thing. You look just like them. It's the same character. <laughs> you look traits. just like them. Like it, it's it's so it's, sad. It's a copy. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's crazy. I thought the same thing reading some of these, and I'm like, 
and they and they get manic with it. They're like putting yeah. it all over yeah. everywhere and doing it. Well, I started erasing those people, Constantly. and if you if you go on one of my posts and you do put on there that we need to write in, I will erase your comment and I will block you off of my page. That's how serious I am about it because I'm I'm somebody like she just said that's putting my reputation on the line. I'm somebody that's out here putting my family's well being on the line to be out here and sacrificing to run for office and to do these things and try to bring this party together. And if you're somebody that can't be an adult for five minutes and just wants to, as you just said, say act manic and say manic things and just say things that don't make sense, I will. And you want to go on my page and my post and start putting those things. I do not support you. I do not support what you are saying. And I will just remove you. I'm not going to go back and forth with you. I will just remove you because you are part of the problem and you are doing more damage to the party than helping the party. And at the end of the day, listen, I, I, I will say this and I will give a lot of people credit. I got a lot of. I think there was only one negative response when I put that post up. I put the post up um, congratulating Jack and saying what we're talking about now, basically, that if you don't support this candidate, you might be a liberal and you're part of the problem. And I also gave kudos to um, Phil Rizzo for doing what he did. Because, listen, let's break this down a little bit. We got it looks like we're going to have more than 100,000 votes this primary than we did the last primary. So the party did grow. People are not paying attention to this. It's going to be over 100,000 more. They said it was more. a bad turnout, though. That's what they said. That's what they were saying in the beginning. But there's going to be over 100,000 more votes than there was last primary. Jack, last primary, got 70,000 votes. This time, it looks like he's going to get over 150,000. He more than doubled what he got before. Phil and Rizzo. that's with two. That's with two, three more people in the race. Three more people in the race. Phil Rizzo is going same. to get more votes this time than Jack got last time in the primary. That is expansion of the party. So I did put on there congratulations to Phil Rizzo for, you know, doing what he did because we know he got into this race very late. And for you to get more votes than the nominee this time got last time, to me, is a very big accomplishment. And for us to have so many more people vote this time. And let me just let me just give you the numbers really quick so we can give you exactly. And, and this was on the last update. So it's not it's even more now. And you know what, though, as you're pulling that up, mm -hmm. Darius, um, everybody, everybody, Hirsch did. Hirsch had big numbers, too. You know, they, they yeah. basically Hirsch and um, Phil were pretty close. So um, my point is that you this is great. Like they immediately said it, no turnout. There was barely any turnout, but there was more than prior, more um, of a turnout than prior, um, yeah. primaries. And you know what? Nobody goes to the primaries that it's, it's, it's never been something that a ton of people come out for. It's just, like, well, exactly. A, Nobody a votes of, in their primaries. Like regular, yes. Yeah. I well, mean, here, this is in the up, just so you guys know, it's more updated now, but I took this two days ago, so it's even more now. But in 2017, Jack got seven, 75,556 votes total in the primary. Kim Gardano got one, one, uh, 114,000 votes. Total votes for all the candidates was 243,771. As of the first day after this election, Jack was already at one, uh, 153,000 votes this time around, which is more than 40,000 more than what Kim Cardano got, the lady who won last time altogether. And this is before they finished counting. And to date so far, they were at 311, 312,000 total votes. So more people came more out. More people voted. Vote, more people came out. <laughs> 
the narrative was different, even though they said no, it was really a slow yeah. turnout. And, and I think that's a testament turnout. to the the candidates that we had in there. People like Hirsch and people like Phil, whether you voted for him or not, brought a lot of excitement, you know, to the race and more people voted. And Jack this time was able to get more than double what he got last time. And we're moving up. And you know, one we're of the things I keep seeing up. people say, look they at keep, it positively. We're moving up. Well, they keep saying this. Well, Jack only got 50% of the vote. There was two other really strong candidates in this race. You know, we should you we got to start looking at the positive rather than just going to, Go the, to negative the negative automatically. It's terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> everybody just goes to negative. It's like really everybody, the everybody glass, half full, not half empty. Change it around, people. Let's change it around. Let's change our thought processes around. Don't let the media strike up the narrative, the negative narrative. It's it's awful, you know? We had more voting. We had more people come out to vote in the primary this time around. That's a good thing. Let's keep registering. Let's keep doing these things. And let's unite, Republicans. You know, let's unite. Stop trying to divide. Yeah. We're never going to win. If you don't vote for Jack in this election, in November, Murphy, you're voting for Murphy. Murphy's back, okay? Think of everything. Think of all the business closing. Think of COVID. Think of losing your rights. Think of sanctuary state. I mean, on and on. Think of the nursing home deaths. Think of all these things. That's going to be your man if you don't vote for Jack. There's got to be one, two, three things you can find out about him that you agree with, okay? Because he's for lower taxes right there. Who doesn't agree with lower taxes, lower real estate taxes? Who doesn't property taxes? Well, what about the other argument? That? What about uh, abortion? You know, so everybody knows his, his position on abortion is very similar to mine. We don't believe in abortion. We don't want abortion, right? But he does believe that in the case of a woman being raped, and incest that there should be an exception, which I 1000% agree with. And again, you guys have seen my stance on abortion. I do not believe in it. I don't think we sh people should be getting abortions. I, I understand all that. I think Margaret Sanger was a, was a devil who basically created Planned Parenthood. Like she said, these are her words, to eradicate the undesirables, which was black people, Jewish people, and those with disabilities. So no, I am not in support of abortion. I am not in support of Planned Parenthood, especially the abortion wing of it. You know, um, people need to be more responsible in their sexual relations. And there are contraceptives and things like that that can prevent you from getting pregnant. So you don't have to go out there and kill babies, essentially. You know, we have millions of babies being killed all over the world every single year. You got tens of thousands of black babies being killed almost every day in this country right now. So no, I don't agree with that. But in the case of a woman being violated, um, raped, incest, I am okay with making that exception. I don't think we should force a woman that has been raped to to bring that child to term. And Jack Chitterelli believes exactly that same thing. So when you start, one of the things that confuse me is you have so many people on there that are so quick to say, Jack Chitterelli is a rhino. His, he's voted this, 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 and that. 
But what I'm finding out is most of them don't know what he's voted for because he's actually voted with Republicans the overwhelming majority of the time. So when people are saying these these very broad statements, I challenge you, please let us know what policy that he actually voted for that went against your principles, because we can't just sit here and say he did this, this, this and that and don't actually have the correct information. And to bring it down even more, you're not going to agree with everything. No. Any candidate is no. proposing. Period. End of story. No. So find one thing, and I guarantee it's going to be more than Murphy, you know? I mean, what one thing do you like about Murphy? Can you find one? No. So. How about what Jack put up about Murphy? I never even saw that where he put up uh, where Murphy, I didn't even know he said this. And he basically said, if you're a one-issue voter and taxes are your issue, uh, this is not the state for you. Yeah. What? Yep. What? Yeah. And you guys really want to vote, want to write people in that you know are not going, have Just no chance of winning? The, it's, it's so asinine. <laughs> you can't win with write-ins in it's the general so, election. <laughs> it really is. So it really is. And you guys are part of the problem. And I'm sour sure. Sour grape, sore loser. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. that. A thousand immature liberals. Liberals. Imma- liberals. It's an <laughs> immature mentality. And you know what? Like I said, you're not going to align with Jack 100%. No. Maybe not even 50%. Maybe not even 30%. But, but he's better you, than Murphy. But but if you can find a percent. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's better because than Murphy. Because I can't with Murphy, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But really, this is the deal. This is the deal. And, and you got to understand, this guy, Murphy, just got the most votes of any gubernatorial candidate in the history of New Jersey. Guys, we have a problem. He got the most votes of Republicans and Democrats of any gubernatorial candidate in the history of New Jersey's primary. Unbelievable. So we have to come together. We have to come together. It's the only way we have a chance of winning. And let me say one thing. For those that I spoke with or who've messaged me things, if you feel that this state, Jack can't win no matter what, then, because of the numbers, then work with all of us together. Let's figure out a way to do it. And give us your information. Give us your what knowledge. Jump in. Don't put your anger, put your you know, resentment aside. Pull up your big boy pants and let's you know, show us what your numbers are, what you think, what you feel we could do. And let's all work together to try to get this man, Jack, in as governor to remove Phil Murphy. Because we have had a Republican come in after a bad Democrat for how many times? So many times. So it can be done. It's, It's the ability to pull those Democrat numbers and those independent numbers over. And that's it. And you cannot... Unfortunately, you cannot have a candidate that is far right. You're never, ever going to win. Then I will say that. But having somebody in the middle or middle right, whatever, that this is New Jersey, folks. This is where we live. This is a blue state, purple state. Come on. This is where we live. But there's a lot of supporters. There's a lot of people that can find one or two things that they agree with, and taxes, I, I can't imagine. I mean, we are the worst state for taxes. So, uh, you know, come on. Do you want do you want to, them just move. 
then we just need to. And yeah. if honestly, if you ever want to get a, a, a truly uh, very conservative person in there, then we need to stop all the games and we need to actually unify. We need people to stop moving out of the state. The more people that move out of this state, the bluer we start to get. So, you know, in the future, is it possible for us to get that candidate and that, you know, that strong conservative that's really going to slash spending, slash taxes and, you know, uh, you know, really stand up for the Second Amendment and stand up for, you know, uh, being against uh, abortions and the killings of our baby? You know, absolutely. But you have to put in the work and we have to grow to that point. And when you are taking the candidate that was voted in there and essentially trying to cause him to lose by calling for people to write in other candidates that have no chance of winning that way you are working against your purpose um and you're 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 making us less conservative not more conservative because even when people from the other side see that they look as you were just explaining priscilla and say you know what Democrats, they always work together. These Republicans, they just like they get manic and they start going after their own and eating their own and they can't even come together. So why would we ever join a movement like that when they can't even get it together within themselves? So please, New Jersey, let's be smart. And again, I will repeat this. The overwhelming on my actual post, only one negative comment was on there. Everybody else, which I know I have a lot of supporters that were especially Rizzo supporters, um, a lot of supporters that were her supporters, the overwhelming majority, 99.9% of them were like, absolutely, I may not like Jack, but you know what? We're going to definitely vote for him. It's time to unite to get behind him. So for those outliers out there that, you know, because you're a very small augmented group, that very small group, please Get over the ego. Get over your feelings. Stop being a, a, a snowflake. And let's get on board. Let's get this man in. But at the same time, we also will make sure we hold him accountable. So this is not just a free ride where we just want to get somebody in. Absolutely. We're going to do everything we can to hold him accountable. And then we'll re regroup. And then in the years to come, I'm sure we can get some of these other candidates um, on there to run for governor or run for different offices as well. So everybody, please just keep calm. Let's be adults. Let's be intelligent. And let's make sure we do every single thing we can to get the Republican nominee for governor, Mr. Jack Chitterelli, elected in 2021. Amen. So. Amen. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that more. We have plenty of time. We're trying to set up something now. And I know Priscilla is talking to the team, whatever the case is, because we weren't able to get him on before. But I'm sure during now that everything's over, the dust is settled. You know, we'll get on, get him on here to talk to you guys and uh, make sure, you know, we get some of these questions asked. But we're just going to go forward in that spirit. And myself, I speak for myself and Priscilla. We are a thousand percent behind the Chitterelli campaign and we will do everything in our power um, to help them win this campaign. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the meantime, absolutely. We got no choice. I know we're good. It's just everybody else. We're, we're, we're already on board. We know what we got to do. Just try. Just try. Just try. Just try. Just try not to be a jerk off and do the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. Well, Listen, let's 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 jump into this because I know this is like a somber top topic with this. And let's let's bring it up a little bit because Miss Priscilla did conduct such a, a great interview. Um, we're going to jump Thank into you. the interview with Miss Priscilla, Miss Irene Jackson, who once again is running for Congress in Texas's 16th congressional district. 
Let's take a listen. Hello, welcome back to Not Black, Not White, American podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla Comfrey, and we are here in beautiful El Paso, Texas, on our journey, uh, checking out the border, checking out the city, meeting the people, and learning what's happening with our own eyes. And here I'm sitting with a guest, and we're very happy to have her. We met last night at the Lincoln Dinner in the hotel for the Republican Party of El Paso, right? Yes, correct. And what's your full name? It's Irene Armendariz Jackson. It's so pretty when she <laughs> says that. Um, she's running for Congress in the 16th District. I learned so. Yes. Ju- well, just so everybody gets a perspective of what the 16th District is, um, this is where Beto O'Rourke is from. He was the representative for six years. And he has, our city has absolutely nothing good to show for that. And so from there, he, of course, ran against Ted Cruz for the Senate. He, he didn't win. And then somehow he thought that he could win the presidential nomination. And uh, right now, I don't know, I guess he's unemployed right now. But <laughs> just so everybody gets a perspective what we're going against. Wow, wow. I remember that race. Um, I know... Um, my daughter and I met Ted Cruz several times, so wonderful uh, person. And I remember, you know, going through that, watching that and saying, oh, boy, I hope, you know. Yes. That was a tough race. That was a tough race. It was. It you was. You know, so so tell us, when we met last night, you, mm-hmm. you were so sweet and kind and you wanted to talk to me. And you had several stories um, and also several friends that had several stories. And you felt it was so important that we hear this and put it out there because we're not getting enough attention. There's not enough light shed on what's really happening here at the border. And I just wanted you to tell me a little bit what you started to talk about. Sure. Well, basically, as a native of El Paso, I'm born from uh, Mexican immigrant parents. They came to the United States because they wanted to offer a better opportunity to their children. But they did do it legally. We do have a process. I strongly believe in the American dream. Why? Because I was able, I'm able to live it and uh, through hard work and sacrifice. And so I believe that right now we are in a time in our nation that if we as uh, Americans do not unite in fighting for that preservation of the American dream, our legacy will be one of a lack of freedom for our children and our grandchildren. I have, uh, my husband and I have been married 27 years, um, thank you, and uh, the, the hardest relationship you ever have is a marriage, but it's also the most rewarding, and that's how I see what we're doing right now. It's a very difficult uh, realm that we have gotten into, but if we don't fight, who will? And it doesn't matter what color you are, what background you come from, this is America. If you can dream it, you can accomplish it but it is with hard work. And I've been very frustrated with not only the media, the liberal media, but also uh, the politicians on both sides because there is a story to be told uh, here in El Paso. And for us that have grown up in the border city, immigration has been something that's a part of our life. I grew up going to church in Ciudad Juarez, which is our neighbor city. We're about, what, about a mile away from the church I grew up in, which is in the Mexican side. My first language is Spanish. My culture is very Mexican. 
I dream in Spanish. I read my Bible in Spanish. I pray in Spanish. Um, but I am an American. And that's the beauty about El Paso. And yet those people that have taken the time and the effort and invested economically in gaining their legal residency, because first you go through a residence uh, application process, they are not for illegal immigration. And because I'm first generation and I saw the struggle for my parents, is that I wanna make sure that our borders, which we have right behind us, um, preserve the sovereignty of our nation. Not only for the ones that are already here, but for that immigrant, that child that is dreaming about coming into America and fulfilling the American dream, we need to be able to preserve it for all those generations. And illegal immigration hurts everybody, including the illegal immigrant. That's, it's just amazing. And when you say it that way, mm -hmm. I, I totally feel um, that we need to do more. And it's so important that we understand that this is not being racist. Mm -hmm. This has nothing to do with racism. We care about everybody. And if America's not strong here, if we're not good for, to our own people here, if our own people can't have a good solid foundation, how can we help other countries? That's my, that's my take on it. And then when I listen to you, I just feel like, you know, we're failing in that area because, you know, we don't understand living here. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't get the news. We, we don't get the correct news, mm -hmm. you know. And it's really, really, once you come here to see and listen to these stories, you really get it. You really get it. So, you know, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Let me sharing. just tell you, is like, for example, here in, in El Paso, right now, right now, Mexican um, citizens that have a visa to cross into the United States yes. as a visitor cannot cross. So because we are a border city, I have aunts and uncles in Juarez that I haven't been able to see. There's pe grandchildren that haven't been able to see their grandmothers, their abuelitas. They haven't been able to see them because they can't cross over. So how does it make sense to close the borders and, and separate the families, because that's what the left talks about, right? The separation yes. of families. Yes, that's what they talk about. And so we have families that have been separated for over a year. They said that when Trump closed the border, it was racist. So what's the excuse now? Because of COVID? What about all the illegal immigrants that are coming in? It doesn't apply to them. So when if you want to do it legally, you've paid to get that visa. You've gone through the process and you're a Mexican citizen, you don't have legal residency in the United States, you can't come to America. Wow, I didn't know that either. So right now our borders are really still closed unless you come in here illegally. That is insanity. And when we were out yesterday, we went to so many different um, areas and one area we could see the wall that was being built mm -hmm. or that was built and then it just stopped. Correct. And then there was a whole another area that's just wide open. There was a little fence, but it was already pulled back and opened up. And, you know, you can right. just cross over. And the one thing I did see um, how bad it was over mm -hmm. on the Mexican side in this one section. Uh, so, so the poverty was just 
unbelievable. And the gentleman we were with said, that's not the worst area. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, I understood why people want to come here. Mm -hmm. I would want to come here if I had to live like that. So that's, you know, something. I understand that. I understand that. But but first is the American. But first, again, we have to yes. have our people taken care of so that we can help other countries and those people. And second, we need to work on the way we have immigration, period, how you come into this country legally. We need to make that maybe, you know, a faster process or um, change, changed up. Well, because I'm married to a Border Patrol agent. Um, it's very nice. I met him last. Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree with you. So I get a front row seat as to the immigration process. And, you know, I'm going to, for the women that are going to listen to this, when you were going to have your first baby, sometimes it was a scary thought. How am I going to go through labor? There's a lot of dangers, right? But how many millions of people do we have on this earth? Many women have done it. So the the advanced medicine that we have, you shouldn't be afraid, whether you decide to have it naturally with whatever. But that actually gave me solace. So if so many millions of immigrants have gone through the process, it can't be that difficult. We want people that are going to be an asset to the country that don't have a record. And because I am married to a border patrol agent, I can tell you that without a doubt, there is a criminal element that I don't want in this country. And that's what's coming in. When I went to one of the stations in 2019 when we had the search back then, because this is not the first time, um, the the, the people that I saw that were being detained were 14, 16, 17 year old males We live right next to a violent city with an infiltration of the cartels. They run our sister city. And these are kids that are hired assassins. For $50, they will kill. And these are the kids that are in um, undocumented immigrants. Is that what we want in our schools? And that's the decision that we need to make as mothers, as parents, as citizens. This is against our children. Forget us adults. The children. They're going to be put in schools with our children. Do we really want that element next to them? I don't. I have grandchildren now. And that's one of the reasons that I'm involved in this. If we don't stand up and put a stop to it and talk about the truth about the border, the reality, and that's why I'm so happy that you all are here and that you're willing to take our message, the regular citizen, a brown-faced, 53% indigenous, first-generation American, and talk about what we see day in and day out here in, in, in our border city to your hometown and spread it to America. We're going to have the news media that talks about their victimization. What about our victimization? We were just talking about the crime has risen in El Paso. We would never hear about stabbings, shootings, 
even when Ciudad Juarez, our sister city, was named the most violent city in the world back in 2017, it was the most violent city in the world. We were still one of the safest. Whatever, some people would say, well, it's because they would go commit their crimes in Juarez and come to El Paso. Whatever the circumstances were, me as a mother of small children at that time, I was um, encouraged to send my kids to school. Now, I think about it. Not only with the COVID and the mask and the ridiculousness of it all, but I'm talking about those kids that are now here, aside from taking all the economic resources. It's like this, you in your house, somebody comes and knocks on your door. You choose if you let them in. Right. How long they stay and what you're gonna give them. Why? Because you earn that money. That is your, your hard earned money. And that's not racist. You need to serve your family first before you go and serve others. Okay. You don't want people crawling through your windows. And then when it's time for them to go, you tell them, thank you, bye. That's what's happening in our country. It, President Trump said it, we have doors. They're called bridges. They're called ports of entry. And I crossed them many times growing up. And so immigration, legal immigration is not racist. We are a sovereign nation and our borders mark our sovereignty. If we lose our borders, we lose America. We lose our country. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with protecting your borders. And like you said before, it's it protects everybody, even the people coming over here. Correct. You know, it's there's so much more to it. And we were also talking about um, the unfortunate sex trafficking and the human trafficking of course, the drug trafficking, which is just absolutely terrible with the amount of drugs that can be poured in here. The fentanyl, uh, several states have suffered so badly from it. New Hampshire, several, several. Um, but I didn't realize how bad the trafficking was. Mm -hmm. And back in New Jersey, we um, were uh, working with an agent mm -hmm. who um, is you know, handling this in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't realize there's a highway, they call them highways that go to each state mm -hmm. where the traffickers, they know, they have numbers written on their arms, they know right where, or addresses, they know right where they're going, and that's the highway they take to get to whatever state is take, taking them in. Mm -hmm. And so we had a, I was, I was shocked at having a big area by, close to where I live of a sex trafficking oh hub. And um, that's kind of where I, I, I needed to, you know, find out about that here because it's just too close to the, to, to home. And also it's just a horrific, horrific thing. I think it's a humanitarian effort for us Excellent. to find yes. out what is going on and what we can do about it. And if we don't, who are we? Who are we as a nation? We, you know, there's children that are, are suffering, and uh, the stories just made me, it was very difficult for me. That, that really got to me. But yes. your husband, I'm sure, knows, right? Correct. Being a border, you know, border patrol um, agent, it's unbelievable. 
And it just doesn't seem like nobody wants to talk about that too much. And I don't know if it's the fear of the cartels or, you know. Of so one of the elements that I have found, because one of my, my platform issues, my number one is pro-life. And even when I've been amongst conservatives and we go through a process of an abortion, you hear the whispers of people saying, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Why? Because when we talk about it, it brings it to life. You cannot ignore it anymore. This is a reality. They don't stay, the drugs and the, the human trafficking does not stay in El Paso, but it does go through it. it and here in El Paso, I'm very, I'm trying to wake up the people from El Paso because we have such a lack of opportunity, thanks to politicians like Beto O'Rourke that have done absolutely nothing for our community. So a lot of our kids graduate from, high, uh, from college and then they move away because there's no good paying jobs. So we as El Pasoans need to be very concerned because I have, we have three daughters, my husband and I. Our two oldest have left, they're not coming back. They're not coming back. One of them is in Nebraska and the other one's actually doing an internship right now in Capitol Hill, but we don't know where she's gonna end up after she graduates um, with her masters. But those drugs, are going to the cities that our own kids are going to for better jobs. So we should be very concerned. Right now, Border Patrol, they're processing illegal immigrants. And I yes, they are illegally here. And we need to use that, um, that terminology because when you break the law, when you're speeding, you're illegally speeding, right? You're not undocumented. <laughs> So it's, they're here illegally, and there's nothing racist by calling something what exactly it is. Now, we want to make sure that our, the drugs and the human trafficking doesn't go through our city, because if we stop the highway here, we stop it, then it won't get to our cities. But the other cities inside the United States need to put a stop to the demand. And that is something that is gonna only be stopped when the family unit is protected. That's exactly that's what the agent said. Exactly, because we don't, so we, we have an epidemic, but when you are sick, they go and they give you medication for your, your pain or whatever, but they wanna find out what is causing that pain. So what is causing the human trafficking? The demand. And we as a nation, we are sick. We are sick. So we need to get to the bottom of why do we have so much demand? And where are these children? I pose a question to your audience. Where are all the children that came in in 2019? I don't know. I don't know. And the reality of it is, is they're probably in the hands of those that are victimizing them over and over. That's why I'm against legalizing drugs, against legalizing even marijuana. For somebody that sells marijuana, every time they sell you uh, marijuana, they make money off of you. But now it becomes legal. So now they take a 10-year-old little girl and they victimize her over and over and over again until she dies. And then in the, in the middle of it, Lord, if she lasts two, three years, she's probably going to get pregnant. They're probably going to take her to get an abortion. So that child keeps getting victimized over and over and over again. It's terrible. 
And so there's, we are sick as a nation and we need to get to the core of why we are, what, what's our sickness and deal with that instead of trying to heal the symptoms because we will keep going back and back and back. And like you said, if there's a demand for it. Exactly, exactly. And when you have a mother and a child, I'm not saying every mother and, and, and father are, are great parents, but a kid has a better fighting chance. Statistics show us that a child has a better fighting chance to not fall into drugs, to not fall into a life of, of, crimin, uh, of criminal behavior when there is a, a father and a mother at home. And that's part, I, in, my, in my biblical worldview, I do believe that the core is in the family union and the fact that it has broken down. I don't know if you all have watched the documentary, Uncle Tom. And when I saw it the first time, our Republican Party chair here in, in Texas, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, he said to my Hispanic friends, they're coming after your families. Because in El Paso, the Hispanics are over 85% of the population. And if they can destroy our family units, they can continue to victimize our children. This is not just about losing our freedoms. This is about victimizing our children and the generations that come after them. Oh, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Well, is there anything else you wanted to discuss that uh, you think is important that we haven't said tonight? Well, just that everybody understands that every legal immigrant that I've spoken to, including my parents, are against illegal immigration. Okay. Good point. That's that's something I wanted to ask. So around here, the people here, do they? that's what they feel, that they're not against um, illegal immigration. I think that's what people on the left want to portray, that El Paso is pro-illegal immigration. And we're not. And see, that's, that's the misconception. That's mm -hmm. the misconception right there. Everybody thinks that, but you know what? When you come here and speak to the people, they say the opposite. They're, they're concerned. They want safety. They live here. They want safety. They don't want to see this anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Illegal immigration. So you put a, somebody in, in a situation really to be victimized or to turn to a life of, of uh, criminal behavior. You release people. And, and we need to understand this as a nation. They are allowing hard criminals to walk out of detention centers. We are talking about rapists. We are talking about molesters. We are talking about murderers. Because the Biden administration instructs ICE to release them, even after they flag them as agents, they flag them, they send it up the chain of command, and it comes back down to release them. And they are releasing them to our community. And so you release them, and where do they go? The people have to eat. What do you think they're going to do? And so, again, this is the symptom of such a broken system. But the system is of, of right now of the Biden administration is what is broken. The immigration laws are there for a reason. Maybe we need to go back and revisit why those laws are there. But until people tell me what law is wrong in the immigration law, we can't continue to say that our system is broken. 
It's not broken. Thousands and millions of immigrants have Come gone through the legally. process. I see what you're saying. So it's something we can look at to look into it to maybe make it more updated or if there is issues or there are issues to um, pinpoint them and, and work on that. Mm -hmm. But overall, the amount of people that have come here legally through years and years and years and years. Are in the millions. Uh, I mean, probably more than any country, <laughs> yes. right? Correct. Probably our system probably works better than any other country going into another country. Correct. So I always, I, I, I saw this the other day, um, somebody saying, you can fly, you, when you fly out of the country or back into the country, you have to go through customs, right? And they go through your bags. They check your ID 10 days to Sunday. I mean, multiple, right. passport, whatever. But you can just cross over the border illegally coming into the country and be released without even, you know. And I also heard that they're not giving them court dates anymore. So when they don't give them court dates, the court date would allow them to have to stay in the area. They'd have to, some wouldn't, but they'd have to stay in the area and Actually, go to the court. Actually, the majority wouldn't. The majority wouldn't. Yes. So that's that. But they're not even giving the court dates anymore. So now it's almost like you're free to, you don't even have to worry about it. You don't even, it just go. Go wherever you want to go. Well, I haven't verified that because that's on the ICE side. And... And when I talk to my contact, then I'll ask them that. Please do. But, um, I, I was told by uh, ICE. Okay, then agent. you know. Then but you know, then you know. But um, verify it again. I will verify it with actually my immigration do. judge. Multiple sources have, we yes. like. And we want to make sure that the the nation understands what's happening. Um, we do have a big element that is infiltrating even the people that do want to come in for a better opportunity, even those but they are amongst them to come in and take advantage of the opportunity. And, and let's not be naive enough to think that everybody that crosses the border wants to come in for a better life. There's an element that wants to truly destroy America, and there is an element that wants to hurt us. And we don't have to go so far what happened in 9-11. They can do it again. We are naive if we think that that can't come to our city, our own cities. Right now, this is how ridiculous things are. So a soldier, we I don't know if you know, you've visited Fort Bliss. Or, okay. We have not yet. Okay, well, I know so we have Fort Bliss. It's an army base. Right now, I flew over the Fort Bliss about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We took pictures of the tent uh, kind of city that they have for illegals. So we have illegals in our base, okay, in our military base, where soldiers cannot go to a mess hall if they, to eat if they haven't been vaccinated. Yet it's okay that illegals are in our base. And we don't know and they're if not they're vaccinated, tested. tested, or anything. They're not. I just verified with another BP, not my husband, but another BP, and they are not being tested. The only way that they're being that they will get tested is if they fall off the wall and then they get taken to a local hospital, which guess who pays the bill for that? We do. The taxpayers do. And these are major, major injuries. Okay? They're in pain. I'm sorry, but they put themselves in that position. And these are people that have fallen off the wall before and now they fall off again. So they kinda know how to figure it out after 
oh, trying yes. a couple of times. They know what well, works and what think. doesn't work, right? Well, you would think, right? But they keep falling <laughs> off. So it's just ridiculous to me that we keep paying for, if you if you are going to go to the doctor, um, you have to have insurance or you pay out of pocket. So why are we footing the bill on these major surgeries for people that are coming into our country illegally? Not only that, they're exposing Americans to not only COVID, but other diseases that are no longer in the United States. When the surge happened back in 2019, I asked my husband, "What are? how far apart are you from them? They're right there with them. There was no COVID, so I guess they didn't think they could get them. But these are people that tested positive for tuberculosis, for mumps, for polio. I mean, these are sicknesses that are not here in the United States, and that's what's coming in. And we cannot, again, be naive enough to think that the, most of the people want a better opportunity. And even if they did want a better opportunity, we have a process. And if you're not going to follow the process, you should not be in the United States. Bottom line. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Really appreciate you speaking to us. And is there anything, is our last message you'd like to leave? Or, you know? Well, I mean, if they want to get what, find out what's really happening on the border, they could always follow me on Armendariz for El Paso, or they can go to my Twitter. My name's Irene, I-R-E-N-E. A-R-M-E-N-D-A-R-I-Z, Jackson. <laughs> I'm sure you can, you can spell Jackson. But uh, as a native, I'm here to say welcome to my city. It is a beautiful city, so beautiful. and we have so much to offer. We are just waiting for that opportunity. It's filled with hardworking Americans that are just waiting for that opportunity to thrive. Thank you so much, You're Irene, welcome. and good luck with your campaign. Thank you. And this, it, this city really is a beautiful place. We, we were just talking earlier how much we love it here. It's just incredible. So thank and you we so have much. beautiful weather. Oh, beautiful <laughs> weather. We're sitting here right now. It's just a nice breeze. It's wonderful. Thank and you so thank much, you. and God bless you. Likewise, likewise. And that's it. Signing off, Not Black, Not White, American Podcast from El Paso. And we are back, guys. We hope you enjoyed that interview. I told you it was going to be interesting. Irene is such an amazing woman. She's, she's got a lot of tenacity. She's not afraid to speak her mind. And Priscilla was asking some great questions to really get to the root of exactly how she feels, why she is America first, and why, especially as a Latino um, American, she feels the impact of this border crisis so much and is so against what people within the Biden administration are doing or and not she, doing because <laughs> they're not doing much. I mean, yes. she lives there. She yes. is right there in yes. the thick of it. Absolutely. Every day, mm -hmm. living and breathing it. So she knows. She knows what we don't know, what we don't see. So, and um, great woman. Thank you very great, much. Great, great woman. Yes, thank you. Thank I, you so I, I much. I truly enjoyed interviewing her, and um, my heart goes out. You know, anything we can do. Absolutely. 
You know, Darlene's. Uh, I'm sorry, I said, <laughs> I said Darlene. The Miss Dolores is all over our Facebook. She's like messaging us all the time. So She's such sweet. a sweet lady, such a sweet lady, Can't and just to hear from her next. Absolutely, yes. We will have her interview up soon, um, which is the last interview that Priscilla conducted, and it was even more powerful. It was just incredible. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that. And just be patient with us. We have a lot of requests right now for guests to come on the show. Um, I've been not turning down people lately, but just letting them know that we have things planned for the next few weeks, but we will get to them. So, you know, you can email us, you can message us if you guys want to be on the show, but just understand we have a couple of shows lined up right now, but we will get to the other things eventually. But right now we definitely want to finish out um, with our border experience. Make sure you guys get to hear all of these interviews. And once we're done with that, we'll get back to some of our, some of our regularly scheduled interviews for you guys. But again, this was part two of On the Border with myself and Miss Priscilla Comfrey of Not Black, Not White American Podcast. Remember, you can hear us every Sunday at 8 p.m. at www.notblacknotwhiteamerican.com. You can also see us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Podcast every Sunday at 8 p.m. And we want to thank you guys so much so much for joining us here again on Not Black, Not White, American Podcast. Jersey! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what happens to the yeah, boy? Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Come on, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Knock it off, Shapiro.